Who's the guest today? <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. Jesus the gate, not the shepherd. Jesus the gate. From Order of the Shepherds. Oh, the OSAS? OSAS, for short. Can't wait to meet this Jesus. Jesus the gate. The gate. I actually think he pronounces it Degate. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the director of formation for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And welcome back, everyone, to the show for this lovely week, hopefully. Who knows? It's, it's in the still future. dreary and we gray. We don't know. I mean, right now it is, but who knows what's going to happen when they're listening to this. I think that odds are it will still be dreary and gray. Really? It, that seems to be San Diego's new climate. Breaking news, everyone. <laughs> I don't think it's breaking news. They've all seen it. San Diego's new climate. <laughs> well, some people don't live here in San Diego. All right, that's true. Um, welcome to this gospel discussion, this Faith to Go podcast for the week leading up to April 30th, fourth Sunday in Easter in year A. We're excited to talk about the gospel from John. We're going to be dabbling in John in yes. Easter season, until uh, right, right until we get to Pentecost and that long, long ordinary time where we'll hear mostly from, pretty much exclusively from Matthew. So enjoy John while you can, because it's going to get real desolate around August. <laughs> when it's just Matthew, 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 Matthew all the time. Did you just call Matthew desolate? No, I called four months of Matthew desolate. Oh. In lieu of a guest, we did, Charlotte and Greg, yes, our producer extraordinaire, were at the Clergy Renewal of Vows in Holy Week a few weeks ago, and you heard a bunch of God sightings. We had the best time. Yeah. Um, we had set up a table at the reception after the Renewal of Vows and invited people to come by and share a little bit about their ministry context uh -huh. and share a God sighting with us. It was great fun. You'll be hearing more from these people coming up. We invited a lot of people to be guests on the show eventually. Mm -hmm. We will have some wonderful ministry contexts and God sightings to share with everybody. I'm uh, Reverend Canon Richard Leaf, and I'm here at the cathedral as an honorary canon. And I formerly uh, served as the uh, canon for the performing and visual arts uh, many years ago. Resigned about uh, 10 years ago. Wonderful. So now retired. And you've asked me where I see God. I have seen God in this gathering of clergy and the church and the wonderful camaraderie that we have and the wonderful gifts that each person has. I rejoice in that. Thank you guys for doing that. So excited to hear more in the, in the weeks coming up. And we would always love to hear from you all if you have a God sighting. If you have a question, comment, or story from your week of faith discussion and reflection, you can always get in contact with us in any of those ways listed in the description for this episode. And now we are going to transition to our gospel discussion for this upcoming Sunday, April 30th, Easter 4 in year A. We will be talking about John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Charlotte will read it. I'll give the slightest bit of context, and then we'll each have a point. Take it away, Charlotte. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, 
but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. All right. Jesus, the gate. Mm-hmm. And spoilers, also the good shepherd. Not till the next verse. But that's verse 11, and I have in my notes here that we're not talking about verse 11. That also is not in year A. We actually won't hear the part about the good shepherd, Jesus the good shepherd, until year B. So that's a big cliffhanger in a really long time. It's like a Netflix show. We got to wait a whole year to hear the second part. We are in the very beginning of chapter 10. Chapter 9, we heard a few weeks ago, which was the man born blind Mm -hmm. and the whole litigation of the Pharisees about who sinned and where the parents are, go and find the parents. And that story takes up almost all of chapter 9. In terms of geographical location, Jesus is in Jerusalem, because the very next thing after the Good Shepherd part is verse 22, where they're at the festival of the, the dedication, a.k.a. Hanukkah, in Jerusalem. Jesus is in Jerusalem, going in and out of the temple, talking to the Pharisees, talking to people, meeting people. That's where we are. Charlotte has the first point. I am going to actually talk about Jesus as the gate. Jesus, the gate, is not one of the references that we normally make for Jesus. So I'm sure that all of us have seen lots of different places and had lots of different conversations about Jesus as the light, Jesus as the good shepherd, but Jesus, the gate is not one of the ones that comes up very often. And it's really interesting to me for a lot of different reasons. But partially when I started doing my research for today, I realized that gate and door are the same word. And then I started thinking about all of the stories that we've heard about doors lately. And they don't fall chronologically. Like that's why David isn't highlighting them when he gives the context. They don't fall chronologically in the Bible before or after this. We did hear them in the lectionary several times of late. There are lots of things that we could name of as doors, physical doors that where the disciples were hiding behind a locked door, but also the stone being rolled away at the tomb. All of these things are ways to either bar entry or open to the world. And so you could think of gates that way. You can think of doors that way. You can think of that stone that way. And I'm sure we could come up with other ideas too. But regardless, Jesus as this thing that is inanimate, it is opened by others, can provide safety and security, and it can be used to close things away. It's really interesting to me because it's so different than the other language that we get around Jesus. Like when you shine light, you can immediately think of what that looks like. It has a warmth to it, the feeling that you associate with it. For sure, we sing this little light of mine with children. I'm going to let it shine. And so Jesus is a light. It has a joyful connotation to it. Jesus is a good shepherd, comforting and nurturing and knows where the, the deep waters and still waters are and the green grass and you know, keeps us out of the dark places and all of that. But Jesus is a gate. Mm-hmm. It's challenging. Not as inspiring. No. Well, or just odd. 
mm-hmm. right? Like it, it's just odd feeling to think of it that way. And yet when I started to think about it, I was thinking about those times that we need to feel like we're safe. That oftentimes, you know, when we need to get away from something, we go into a space and we close the door. It's especially as a parent of a young child, maybe it is the only five minutes you get to yourself to go into a room and close the door. And even then, it's not guaranteed. But right, it's the a older st- one can open doors. That's <laughs> a, a really big problem for me, honestly. <laughs> But it's a start, right? Like there is an element of safety of being behind a closed Mm -hmm. door. There is an element of mystery of wondering what is behind a closed Mm -hmm. door. The mystery is behind it, but the door creates the mystery also because you don't know what is on the other side. And none of these things happen if the door is open. If the door was just sitting there ajar or off of its hinges, if the gate was, you know, hanging from its hinges, um then it would just be a free-for-all <laughs> of uncertainty and wonder. So the, the security of it comes in the actual physical object that is there. And that's an interesting way to think about Jesus and our relationship with Jesus as well, is that Jesus can be seen as this thing that can provide us protection when we are feeling uncertain, that we can push open to be in closer relationship with, that we can push through and invite to go on a journey with Jesus um, in times of uncertainty for ourselves. But it's interesting to think about because gates move, doors move. A a locked door doesn't always stay locked. Um, A closed door doesn't always stay closed. Um, And we were having this conversation before the podcast started and Greg asked me to share with you, and he's right, we should talk about it. There's that Far Side cartoon where, you know, it's the the child trying to get in the door. I think it's the school for gifted children. And he's like leaning all of his body weight, pushing it. And above it, it says pull to open. (laughs) Gosh, haven't we felt that way about our relationship with Jesus too? And that it's like, oh, I'm pushing so hard, Jesus. I'm just trying to get through and be with you. And in reality, what we needed to do was do it differently, (laughs) to try it a new way. Which is, I guess, a little bit about a different conversation about repentance and trying things new ways or being open to change and all of that. But it's, it's just something interesting to think about of Jesus in this way. It's not the, the wall art Jesus, you know, that is the shining light or the shepherd. It is Jesus as a gate. And I think that in that we have the opportunity every time we enter or exit a space to think about what that means for each of us and to think about like... How does it make us feel to think of Jesus that way? It's not a pat answer. It's not an experience that most of us relate to. I also was thinking about Jesus, the gate. I love that it's confusing. Mm-hmm. Confounding. Especially, yeah, especially um, with the, the second part of the story, where in the same metaphor, Jesus is saying, I am the gate, and I'm also the shepherd <laughs> that walks through the gate. Yes, It's paradoxical, which I think is the point. It's an invitation for us to also see ourselves in multiple roles in the metaphor. We were pretty clear, like, oh, we are the sheep. You know, we were let out. We have protection. He's directly talking to the Pharisees, who would, I am assuming in the story in Jesus's mind, be the thieves and the bandits, trying to steal things from the sheep. And at the same time, they are sheep in the flock as well. I think that it's an invitation to see that we have lots of different roles in different parts of our lives with different people. This invitation to see how he's drawing on this idea of of sheep and shepherds, which is like a constant motif throughout Hebrew scripture and Israel being 
described as a sheepfold, as as a herd of sheep, but also, you know, leaders within within Israel being bad shepherds sometimes for not protecting people or leading them into destruction or, you know, just not taking care of people or taking advantage of people. But also this idea that, you know, someday God will be the good shepherd that leads us, especially in the time of the exile, that like God will lead us, lead the sheepfold back, you know, to where we're supposed to be. God's the good shepherd or, or like the son of David will be the good shepherd. And so Jesus is taking on this identity, but also taking on this identity of the gate. And so I think in doing that, like in, in realizing that the sheep can also be leaders of the sheep because the leaders come from amongst the sheepfold. It's just this invitation to be okay with this weird paradoxical idea. I think so much of this is Jesus inviting us not just to believe in Jesus, believe things about Jesus, follow Jesus, but also to be leaders ourselves, Mm. to be shepherds ourselves. Again, we have so many different roles and we're both followers and we're leaders at the same time. I'm just going to break the the rules and talk about the next part because because later on Jesus is going to say the ones in the sheepfold know my voice and blah 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 which is so much about discernment it's so much about listening and hearing and knowing what is and is not coming from from God from Jesus and at the same time we are invited to be conduits for that voice in the world and we are invited to be leaders and shepherds like Jesus is the good shepherd we are protected by people and we protect people. You know, there's this mutuality of care that Jesus is in so many other parts of Scripture inviting us to. His invitation is that in order to be that kind of good shepherd, in order to be that leader, you have to walk through this gate. You have to cross this threshold that Jesus is this liminal space. And in the same way that later he's going to say, I am the way and the truth and the life. It's not that just believing in Jesus is the way and the truth. It's that following Jesus, doing what Jesus did, believing Jesus, that like we all are called to this, to these big and small deaths and resurrections. And that only through those experiences do we become the good shepherd, the leader that, that the people need us to be, whoever those people might be, that the world needs us to be, you know. And that any attempt to like circumvent that process and, and take, the, take the power of leadership is going to lead to terrible, destructive things. Which is the whole point of the Pharisees. It's not the Pharisees are inherently bad. It's that they have lost their way. What? <laughs> no, I just realized something important. What? The Pharisees are the gatekeepers. Oh. Right? Like, especially like when we think about gatekeeping language in our current context, which obviously didn't apply back then, except for maybe Jesus originated the phrase of being a gatekeeper right here. Mm -hmm. Just saying. But like he says, the way you're talking about the Pharisees and the way we know that they experience the world and their rules and all of those things, it says the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hear his voice. But sometimes the Pharisees don't open the gate for anybody. They create, you know, this boundary that people don't get to go through. Mm -hmm. It's just interesting. Like when you said it all of a sudden, I was like, oh, that's what you're doing, Pharisees. Yeah. You're gatekeeping Jesus. Yeah, and they're, they're gatekeeping in a way that is trying to consolidate uh-huh. their power. Yeah. And, and so in, the, in that, I think they are thieves and bandits Ooh. because they're taking, mm-hmm. they're taking things from the people that they're supposed to be giving to them. Mm-hmm. The gatekeeper is so interesting because it really is, nothing about it is Jesus forcing anyone to do anything. Even the sheep ultimately decide whether they're going to follow the shepherd or, or not. 
you know. The gatekeeper doesn't force anyone to go through the gate, but opens the gate and invites, you know. And so, like, we will never be forced to go through this process of death and resurrection. Of course, we are inherently going to suffer. Mm. But how we respond to that suffering is the invitation. We are just in such, in big and small ways, always being invited to this, this like real critical, authentic, intentional engagement with our suffering, with what's going on. I think all of us have had moments where we respond to suffering by creating more suffering. Mm -hmm. And we've had moments when we've responded to suffering by creating compassion. The jumping over the wall is the creating suffering from your suffering. And I think going through the gate is the is like moving through this liminal space of death and resurrection towards greater compassion and love and care for people. Obviously, it's not an easy process. Even Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd because I go through this process, mm-hmm. you know, like because I walk through the gate. And the gate isn't just Jesus, the person. The gate is the whole cycle of life, suffering, death, resurrection. I really love the idea of Jesus is the person who always opens the gate. Like Uh it says it in here, like Jesus opens the gate to call the sheep through because they recognize his voice. And so Uh he's always inviting you into that with him. And if we view ourselves as shepherds, we always have that opportunity to consider the times when we have decided that people aren't worthy of that Uh and that we've closed the gate in people's Uh faces. And, you know, that invitation to more fully be like Jesus means that we open Uh open the gate and provide access for everybody. Dipping into the non-sanctioned part of the lectionary reading, Jesus says, like, there are sheep in other Mm -hmm. places that... We don't get to decide who is in and who's out. It's just our job to take care of people, to be leaders and to be led with integrity. Jesus is just holding so much room for mystery and possibility here and optionality, you know, and so that, so nothing is forced, you know, nothing has to happen. There is no requirement other than the fact that if you want to deeply engage with life, you, you have to go through this gate. If we're thinking about like, like different religious traditions, Every spiritual religious tradition has something like this, this deep need for engagement with the self, you know. And so Jesus is like, this is the process that has to happen for people to lead others towards love and justice and, and compassion for one another. So we had two points today. And several side points. Lots of side points, mm-hmm. some sidelines. Uh, point number one was Charlotte's. The doors kind of the mystery of the door, you know, and it's, it's like a multi-functionality. How there's so many then options to like engage with this idea of Jesus, this metaphor for Jesus in different times and parts of our lives. That it is protection and also invitation and, you know, openness and closed and just it changes throughout our lives when we need it to. And mine was also about the gate. Jesus's invitation to see ourselves in these various roles the importance to Jesus, I think, of, of engaging deeply with our suffering, with that liminal space of death and resurrection, and how important it is, the requirement that for us to, to lead people with integrity, to give people what they need to take care of people, that process is required. So, having heard those two points, we would love to hear what your third point would have been if you'd been on the podcast this week. Again, any questions, comments, or stories from your week of faith discussion and reflection, or any God sightings you'd like to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can find all those ways of getting into contact with us in the description for this episode. With Elizabeth Fitzsimons, our special guest from ECS. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, Goodbye, everybody. everybody. All right, sip that coffee.
And let's do this thing. <laughs> Not into the microphone. <laughs> you lost it. it today. <laughs>